All right, welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 30. Um, I'm trying to get it out early this week because in two days I will be on the road to Monument Valley for the Monument Valley Ultra Marathon. Uh, really looking forward to it, doing a little road trip with the wife and kids. It's going to be a good time. We get it, I get to see Moab for the first time and really, honestly, I've been thinking I don't know if I've truly been in the desert before, so really looking forward to that. And hopefully next week we can get back to you guys with a race report. Hopefully we have three successful races between myself and previous guests, Brady Manriquez and Travis Steffen. So it's going to be a good time. This week's guest is Adam Casey. And he is a guy that I met doing the Frozen Dead Guy Fat Ass 50K, uh, which basically was running from Netherland to Boulder. And as we were running along, we just got to talking as you do during these races. And man, his the amount of stories this guy has, and quite frankly, the intense life experiences and trials and tribulations he has gone through is quite frankly incredible um and so as we were chatting away i decided to let him know about the podcast and uh and told him i would love to have him on and and share his stories um and to chat with him and so this is about a month and a half later. We planned on meeting up and we did a little seven and a half mile loop around Table Mountain and then recorded the podcast. So what we decided is this is definitely going to be just part one of a continuing series, I guess, with Adam. Uh, we'll for sure have him back on and, you know, keep sharing more of his stories what we focused on in this episode was his time training for the Navy SEALs. So hope you guys enjoy the podcast this week. And if you want to check out our other episodes, head on over to iTunes, look up Like a Bigfoot, or go to SoundCloud, or go to our website, likeabigfoot.com. If you are on iTunes and you happen to leave a review... I would be extremely grateful and you would win a bunch of respect. <laughs> All right, here we go. Episode 30 with Adam Casey. Let's get, let's get started. So, yeah. yeah, man. Uh, I never know how to introduce these things, you know? It's always better just to do like the conversational <laughs> way. They say, like in the Nerdist podcast, just... We should do it like we're, we're we're off in the distance and we just it seems like we come to sit down. Oh, that's a good yeah. At your table yeah. As if, wait, is this thing on? Is this is this the podcast now? Oh, I, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think any, it's kind of like 
you never have any idea of how to really do anything until you just do it. Exactly. And then afterwards is when you realize, oh, man, I should have said that. Dude, I mean, <laughs> so many times, like, re-listening to these, I'm like, oh, man, why didn't I do, why did I do it this way? Why didn't I say that? That was the comeback I was looking Yeah. For. Why do I say like all the time? I'll say. I'll say. <laughs> I need to get, like, a, like, I need to get a spray bottle. And every time I start a sentence with I'll say, yeah. you're more than welcome just to hit me. Well, we can, we can Pavlov it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man we so we just got done running uh like seven half mile loop at table mountain and uh yeah we're doing it live we're gonna do an outdoors one because like an outdoors podcast yeah it's a beautiful day out yeah but the ambience was like birds <laughs> and then construction construction <laughs> so yeah. and i'm sure there would have been like one errand or one like a uh, random car driving by blasting some obnoxious oh, music exactly exactly <gasps> Yeah. It would be one time we were in uh, um, Asheville for, we did mancation, quote unquote. <laughs> and uh, I don't know why, like for whatever reason, when we're, me and my friends are hanging out, it always ends up being like one dumb pop song. We get stuck in our heads. And at that point it was Katy Perry's yes. Roar. And we kept singing it the whole trip, right? And so like it's in our heads, the whole first day it's in our heads, we're laughing about it and stuff. We wake up the second morning, and finally, like, you don't realize it, but it's not in your head anymore. And then we're right next to the Blue Ridge Parkway, and I'm not even joking. Like, a car drove by blasting the only part of that song I knew, like the chorus. <laughs> yeah. And it was just happened to be that moment. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> you know you know the, the great internet sensation of getting, like, Rick rolled and stuff? Yeah. So there was... <laughs> this, is, this is what made... SEAL training, one of the aspects of SEAL training that made it so incredibly difficult was obviously the physical demands, but also the mental games that they would play with you, and they <laughs> knew what they were doing, and so we would be doing these <laughs> runs on the beach, and, you know, most, they would either be like a four-mile timed run, or, you know, however long, can do, it, it was, it was not an enjoyable experience like you and I just had. Yeah. So, <laughs> but they would have the, the safety truck or, you know, with the medic and stuff driving right behind you, driving behind the last man. And if you were the last guy or in the group of the last guys, uh, you know, they had, they had this uh, like foghorn and they would blast over the horn. Just like oh, Rick rolled or on repeat or that thing. They, they definitely did Katy Perry. And always, there was that one song, like... Monday, Friday, Saturday, you know. Oh my God, Friday? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and was, and I, I, rem, I remember, th like, if there was ever a motivation just to be up in the front, it wasn't to, to get out of, like, a beating or a punishment or anything other. It was just because I didn't want to hear this stupid song anymore. And that, that was, those mental games that they would play with that stuff on repeat. Anytime I hear any of those songs, it's definitely this, this weird... Kind of, I don't want to call it a flashback because I don't want to make it sound, you know, that bad. But it was definitely just you. All of a sudden, you'd hear a song and you just start to feel like really creeped out. Yeah. Like, why? Am I? Well, songs like have that power to take you back into certain moments, which you know, why you listen to a song you listened to in high school. And you're oh like, yeah. Yeah. I was mean, like in high school now. Oh man, I got hit with some old school something corporate. <laughs> like the other week, yeah, and my inner punk rock immediately just wanted to go smash, yeah, re wanted to rebel against whatever kind of conformity was that, you know, all, all sorts of that stuff. Yeah, there's always there's always something good about a song that just strikes you 
in the heart because it's it's tied to like such an emotional time of your life. Yeah. Just like Friday, the song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Friday. If there's ever been a motivation to get out there and get after in life, it was that Friday song. Yeah, man. So you were, you did Navy SEAL training, which is crazy to me. I gave it a shot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to definitely don't want to put up the uh, the assumption that I, you know, you should be calling me Navy SEAL officer or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've always, and you know, we'll probably get into this, but out of a lot of the experiences I've had in life, I always revert to, well, at least I'm not in Hell Week anymore. Yeah, oh, jeez. <laughs> and there was always, I always say, you know, nothing is ever as hard as it seems. Like your race this weekend, yeah, it sucks leading up to it. But when it's going to be done, you're going to be back here. You're going to be, you know, feeling good about yourself, feeling this is awesome. This is I feel really good. I feel like I accomplished something. And that wasn't that bad. Yeah. Like, yeah it sucked in the moment. <laughs> Steel training <laughs> was the one part of my life up until now where it was, yeah, that, that stuff lived up to the hype. <laughs> like, there was, there was no downplaying. There was no uh, over-embellishment of how much that stuff sucked. Yeah. If anything, it was under-embellished because there are things that they, at the time, you know, when the... Uh, seal documentary class two three four came out on discovery channel and all these books came out yeah they they obviously the seal community has a lot more notoriety now and so there's more and more aspects of training that are coming to light but there's still some stuff that you either can't articulate or you can't like legally like talk, about. talk about yeah. Yeah. yeah and so you get into those situations and man like this definitely wasn't in the the, the field manual. <laughs> like, they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. So how? I mean, I honestly don't know much about SEAL training besides what you just said that it sucks. <laughs> so how many weeks does it take? Ew. It's so overall, and it's changed. Mm, I don't. I don't. I don't know with the definitive timeline, but it's changed. So right now, as you and I speak, it will take if you are a one shot, one kill type of dude who's lucky enough to make it from the day you show up in Coronado to the day you get your SEAL pin, you know, your Trident, yeah. and you're officially a Navy SEAL, that is about a year and a half, almost. The technical training is, I think it's 13, 14 months, because you have six months of BUDS, which is what I tried to go through and it's basic underwater demolition seal training and that's all the stuff you see on tv the okay the hell week the logs the boats all that stuff and then after that once you make it through buds you go to sqt which is seal qualification training and that's when you actually do the cool stuff okay of, of you go up to alaska and you start and you you know i mean i so my friends that did eventually make it through training and, you know, as you progress through training, they start treating you more and more like an actual human being. <laughs> so, so you're, so when you get to the point where you're going up to Alaska for this winter survival training, you're at least allowed to have your phone with you. And I remember I'd be talking to my friends and stuff and they would say, and uh, one of my friends, he was going through this winter survival training in Alaska in the winter. And he was <laughs> just like, dude, this is awful. Like <laughs> you think it gets better. It so doesn't. It so doesn't. It's like at least they treat you like a human. Yeah. But now we're well. There's there's being a destroyed. there's a level. Well, so when I say they treat you like a human, you're still like a bottom rung human. Gotcha. You're still, and even my friends that you know. So I I commissioned in the military 2012. You know it's 2017 right now. If you went through that, you know the guys that I met out in training, they they got pinned, so they officially became seals. 
some point in you know 2013 2014 even now they're still technically kind of like the new guys at their seal teams yeah and i wouldn't say they're treated like garbage but um you know you're you're the new guy until you're not the new guy yeah and you're not the new guy anymore until you've done your deployment and you and back when combat was incredibly fierce you were in the new guy until you got your first kill okay and so that's generally not the case anymore yeah but yeah there's a lot of uh there's a lot of seal training that is definitely notorious um because it makes great headlines and it makes great you know stories to talk about but there's a lot of it that you know either they can't talk about or they won't talk about because there still needs to be some secrecy in the community when you probably can't like capture the psychological like Mental anguish. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I am more than happy to fill up the stories uh, or fill you with stories right now with this like defense mechanism tone of comedy. Yeah. But in the moment, oh, I know, they're man. all. I know. That's why, like, yeah, it's funny talking about this stuff because you just laugh through it. But <laughs> but then you're like, as I'm as I'm, as when I leave and I'm like driving back to my apartment, I'll probably be crying because I'm like, that was really bad. Dude. That was bad. Yeah. There's a, I would say. You know, one of my favorite stories to kind of, yeah, to, to talk about with how <laughs> just the di- the dichotomy of training and I would say being a human being was we would do this thing called land portage or just boats on head basically, and it was when we would uh, and it's the stuff you see on TV where you you have the you have the boats the inflatable rafts and there's a boat crew and a, a boat crew is six or seven dudes. And you will literally race with these 200 plus pound boats on your head down the beach. And that's what's on the cover of all the magazines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've seen that. Those things suck. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I have Especially, you know, if you've got a height difference and or, you know, it, it, you're running on soft sand. Yeah. So it's not like an even pavement. So you'll be running and all this, you won't, you won't be having that much weight on your head. And all of a sudden you'll hit this like bump and you'll take all the weight on your head. And it was awful. So anyway, so there was one evolution, like a training kind of uh, program, I don't know, it's better just call it an evolution, uh, that we did where it was called Night Rock Portage. So we would, if you can imagine this rectangle with the one long side being the shoreline, the other one being, you know, the ocean, obviously, you would start on uh, one point, paddle out past the breakers, paddle out when the waves kind of stop crashing, say 500, 700 meters, um, and then you would... So that'd be like the base of the rectangle. And then you would paddle up current or up, you know, upstream. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the ocean. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Up, ocean yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> up shoreline um, to, you know, to the Hotel Del, the infamous Hotel Del Coronado. And there's these rocks there. And the whole point of it, it's at nighttime. It's just, it's, 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 again, it's more of a mental than a physical game. But it's to, to simulate, you know, that, that Navy recruiting video where the waves come crashing, like, the one wave comes in and there's footprints on the beach and then the, <laughs> then another wave washes it away like you're super sleek. There's nothing sleek about it. because you know, So you do that and you know the waves are coming in and they time it. They know how to time it so that when you do that night you know, rock portage evolution, it's, it's when the breakers or the waves are pretty, uh, pretty tough. And so, but the whole point is just to come in on the waves, ride the waves, be super team guy, you know, with high speed, lean on the rocks, do all this stuff. Anyway, so you get done with it though, and you know the whole mantra pays to be a winner. Um, as soon as you complete two or three success, successive uh, rotations of doing something like that, 
you line up on the beach because after you do that night rock portage is <laughs> the night land portage back to base. So it's about a mile and you're running back to base at night with boats on head. <laughs> and, you know, if you, you start out in the front. So at this point, I want to say there was about 14 boat crews in my class um, dwindled down from however many. But if you were in the top two or three to finish, then you got secured. But if you weren't, then there were other things, extracurricular activities that they had you doing for the next like two hours. Oh, so you were motivated to, to get there. So I remember we were lucky enough um, to, we f ended up finishing in the top two or three, uh, but we ended, we were, we started off in the middle, but so we're sitting there and you're just getting like, you're just getting your mind right for it because you're realizing this is going to suck. I'm tired. I've been up for however, all this stuff, <laughs> but you're sitting there again. This is in front of the Hotel Del Coronado, one of the most <laughs> famous hotels in the world. I remember I was sitting there <laughs> and I'm just like, there's like snot coming down my face. Like I'm cold. I'm it's, I throw myself the biggest pity party, just trying to get my mind right for it. And, and I, I and, you know, I had really bad, you know, colitis at this time. So my, you know, I was not the cleanest person, you know, and so <laughs> if you can get what that means, yeah. but so I'm just sitting there and we're, you're just waiting. You're just waiting for them, basically the starting gun to go off to, to, to run like hell back and, and the boats on my head. And I remember, and I'm like checking with my guys, like, is everyone cool? Everyone getting their minds right? Like, you know, shoes tied, all that stuff. And then I look over to my left and like 10 feet away from me is this family. <laughs> like, just watching? Yeah. With like a hot cup. I don't know what was in the cup, but there's definitely yeah. like hot drinks because this is January or something. Yeah. Hot drink. They got, they're all bundled up and stuff. It's like, it's, it's the, it's the nuclear family, you know, the, the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. and the, the kids watching. And I'm like, look, and I'm giving, I'm, I'm sure they couldn't see me, but I'm giving them the, them the most hateful look of why are you enjoying my misery right now like go back inside the dad's like yeah. teaching the kids yeah. lessons like this son uh, misery. Yeah. this is what hard work if leads it, you to if anything i hope that that dad told his children like don't ever do this like let this be yeah. an example of like something you don't ever want to do maybe you know maybe maybe not but i just remember in that moment Thinking like this is the last thing I need right now is to see normalcy well, out there. Yeah, and that's why they do it there, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Hold on one second. Yeah. I'm gonna bring the baby down for a second. No. This is how these go usually. Dude, it's cool. <laughs> this is our third. We got a guest speaker. Third co-host. We got a co-host now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. So you did. That was just an example. Yeah. Was that during Hell Week or? No, no, that was that that was uh, just I don't want to call it like a regular night, but that was just <laughs> that was yeah that was one day out of my. So the way I went through training was I was in two different buds classes, and the first one um, I made it like to the fifth week, um, basically until again so. I got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis when I was going through my naval officer boot camp in Rhode Island. So I wasn't even in SEAL training or anything like that. And well, that's when I started having symptoms. Yeah. I got diagnosed in transition, the two week transition that I had from that boot camp on the way out to California where I saw like a private GI doctor. And I, at the time going through SEAL training had, you know, I it, it, it was something where 
I knew better than to tell the med, the Navy, med, the big medical, big military about it because I knew, you know, blood coming out of your butt. They don't, they don't like that. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, no, yeah. that's a little yeah. alarming. Yeah, I would have a feeling. And so, you got us coffee. You got us coffee? Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, buddy. No, that's cool. We're gonna do outside, and then they're doing they're all this construction work. So. Oh, thank you so much. This podcast is about to get a lot more lively. Oh, is that right now? Yeah. Yeah. You guys are making a special guest appearance. Harper, what did we get? Do you got some chocolate milk? Harper, let's go outside. Why? We're 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 doing a podcast. Do you know what that is? Are you gonna be a guest someday? Uh, yeah, you'll be talking about how the time you got you pulled the chocolate milk out. <laughs> <laughs> the feats of strength. <laughs> of strength. Dad, like King Arthur. You went to the coffee store. Thank you. Yeah. All right. That's well, a life-changing moment. I can re- I can remember a few instances in my life that are pivotal. First time I drank coffee. Really? <laughs> no. no. You, don't, you don't remember? Uh, it was. I probably it was probably one of those things where I was like really young, but I do remember when I started mixing coffee grounds and dip. Oh, God, that terrible. <laughs> yeah, that that was a side effect of the marine training. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah, they were like, "This is a good idea." Well, I mean, because it came to the thank point. You, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, there's the the prevalence of monster energies and just overall stimulants in the military. There's a reason why that industry is like what, like a seven billion dollar industry. I guarantee you, ninety percent of that comes from enlisted Marines. Yeah, <laughs> where they're like, the first thing they do, wake up in the morning, open up their sixteen ounce can of full throttle or monster or whatever, throw in their dip, and you know. Wow, man. And so I used to, in like some of our field exercises, and obviously I don't dip anymore, but I had a quite consistent uh, dip habit of, of where I would take, you know, just Copenhagen wintergreen. Some folders, and I don't even know if this worked. Placebo effect again. Who cares? It did it right for me. But I would take some folders, coffee grounds, and I would mix it in with my Copenhagen, yeah. and then I would just throw in a lip or whatever. Because the way, because oh the way some of that stuff works, because it it's got like tiny shards of yeah, so fiber. Cuts, yeah. yeah, yeah. So instantaneous uh, caffeine in my bloodstream, along with the stimulant nicotine. Yeah, there's a reason why I don't sleep well at night anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Holy crap. But, uh, yeah, I. I don't remember the first time I had coffee, but I do, you know, you know how it is with any sort of like stimulant or whatever, drug, Drugs. which I guess yeah. drug. the first time you oh, take yeah. it, you're like, this is amazing. <laughs> and then, you know, now it's like five cups down. I'm like, I could go take a nap right now. Yeah, it is. It is like, this is. This is the level I've gotten to. I don't know if this is something that I should take pride in yeah. or if this is, you know, something I need to reality check myself with. But yeah, like, uh, I just took this and I'm kind of just feeling tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling worse than I did before. Exactly. So that's a little reality check. So yeah. when, right, you're, yeah. when you're in Navy SEALs training, do you get coffee no. or any common, no. com- any common comforts? No. So, all right. On the outside, it's definitely this very austere environment. Um, and I think... I can't remember what the overall numbers are, but let's conservatively conservatively say there's 2,500 active duty Navy SEALs in, in the, you know in the world at any one point. So you know the whole statistics of less than one percent of the population serves in the military 
take less than 1% of the less than 1%, you know, this really small community. So on the outside, there's these definite rules of, you know, no, no stimulants. And, and, and some of them are taken incredibly seriously. Like it, you are not allowed to even take Tylenol um, unless a Navy doctor gave it to you because your bodies, and I, and I believe in this. Sometimes I, there's definite aspects of some things I've gone through where that's just complete hype. But this I can understand because your, your bodies are put under so much stress that a normal physician isn't going to be able to recognize that this is okay because the SEAL community in the training overall has a good history of no, yeah, people have died in the earlier years doing this, but like for the most part, you can live through this. They understand how far they can push you. Yeah, okay. and, but a normal physician, obviously, you know, the Hippocratic oath is going to instantly be like, we need to get you out of there. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like if you're trying to leave the, the Church of Scientology, yeah, yeah. like hop in my car real quick and we'll get you out. Yeah. So, yeah, so there were, you know, definite rules. No Tylenol, no, you weren't you weren't even allowed to take protein supplements. Again, this is, this is on paper kind of stuff. Yeah. What makes, I would say, a SEAL, one of the aspects that makes a SEAL a SEAL is this title of being the gray man. Because most of life, you know, there's black and white. Yeah. But a SEAL... You know, or not even just a SEAL, but just, I, I would say, probably an effective individual that lives in our society knows how to find the balance in that gray area. And so, yeah, there were rules that you broke. I mean, clearly I broke rules because I was trying to treat my ulcerative colitis. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> I should probably get back to yeah. that. <laughs> but so, yeah, so I, I, so, yeah, you weren't even allowed to, yeah, you weren't allowed to have caffeine because, again, it, was, it wasn't, that I think wasn't so much from the, the idea of we want to restrict your body and we want to hurt you, but it was like, no, you don't understand. Your body's under so much stress. The tiniest stimulant could give an undiagnosed heart arrhythmia the you know the spark it needs to just explode. Yeah. But yeah, so for me, when I was trying to treat myself with colitis, I was just on an incredible amount of uh, you know corticosteroids, you know prednisone basically to suppress my immune system because it was a lot of trial and error with whatever remission therapy uh medicine that i needed to take and i remember I, I had a doctor out in california who would see me on like weekends yeah um because again i'm keeping everything's hot shush and so but the you know colitis just like crohn's if people don't know about it it's it's an autoimmune disease it's my body attacking itself and my body not recognizing itself as itself and trying to get rid of it so the best way to at least put it into somewhat of a like controlled sphere was through the steroids that would suppress my immune system. Um, that coupled with the pretty extreme elements of training, not just like the physical stress, because you know any, if you stay up for a few days at a time, your immune system's already yeah. cratering. That, but with a pretty unhygienic life, un you know a hygienic lifestyle of of military training in general, especially like I said when I'm you know. When I'm like defecating myself on a daily basis, at least ten times a day, because it's not like you get to raise your hand and say, "Hey, yeah. can I get out from under this log? I need to go to the bathroom yeah. real quick." Yeah. And so I was, I was. So this is my first buds class. I was treating myself, and I was always just on this obscene amount of, of steroids just to get my my immune system in check. Um, but because of that, I whatever I was eating was just passive. If I was eating. Because uh, I was basically eating you know, less than 100 calories a day. Because that was all I could take. Because, again... You just couldn't handle it? Like you're, Yeah, so I'll... I'll, I'll your G, it's your GI system, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll try and keep this tangent very concise. There was a story 
a year or two ago about an FBI agent that I read in the Washington Post who got caught using heroin for the second time, and he was passed out behind the wheel of a government-owned vehicle. And I'm reading this article, and what an idiot. Yeah. Like, he's an FBI agent. Yeah. Not, not, you know, all these things. But the fact that it was his second time getting caught. And it was, and I don't really remember, you know, obviously the notoriety of simply an FBI agent getting caught using heroin will make the headlines. But it was hard for me, because it was a really lengthy article, and I was like, why is this, you know, this should have just been a blurb, not an article. But then towards the bottom, it gets, I want to say the last two paragraphs, is it actually details his progression into heroin, and it starts when he was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. And the, the level of discomfort and pain, um, I cannot say, I guess, concisely enough, or, you know, I, I, can't, I can't really say it in a way other than the level of desperation that not only myself and I know other colitis patients will go through is unreal because it's the, everything about, it, like I said, you know, you, you're, you're, every, every time you go to the bathroom, blood is coming out so you're so you so you're getting it so you know i i don't think i was ever anemic but i would say you know i was definitely getting close to how did you counteract being anemic if you're losing that much blood i tried to take iron supplements but again like i yeah that was it was i i don't i can't come up with an analogy quick enough but that's like house is on fire you're 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 throwing water on the lawn kind of stuff and so uh for me at the point where this like fifth week when I was going through training, I'm already such a wreck. I have no immune system. And I remember we were doing this op, we were doing the obstacle course and the obstacle is so weird because the obstacle course should only take six or seven minutes, but it's again, one of like the worst six, seven minutes of your life. And you can look it up on YouTube. It's actually, you know, it's so weird. You know, people, you know, college athletic teams will pay to come out there and do the obstacle course. Well, and isn't there some sort of events where people will pay yeah. to put themselves through like I hate them. I, know, I hate those people. I was always wondering like what someone who actually did it would. I I mean I I don't I let me be recursive. I don't literally hate them, but the idea that something not only that I went through, but generations of men and women now are gonna be going through, but generations of men previously have gone through, and the reasons why they've gone through it, I have a difficult time sympathizing with somebody who wants to talk, start a conversation with me of relativity, of physical discomfort. I was like, wait a minute, you paid to go out there? Yeah. And you got like a lunch break? And, and, and you have that in the back yeah. of your mind, like, I'm paying for this. Like, yeah. it's the same thing in an ultra marathon. That's one of the things you can fall back on when it really sucks, well, yeah, it's yeah. like, hey man, like you paid to come out and do this. You like want yeah. to do this, you know? Yeah. But even, I would say even in the level of going to do an ultra marathon, that's still like a physical discomfort that you're pushing yourself towards that's not, um, that's not superficial in some ways that paying to go out to the SEAL training just to say that you went through SEAL training. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a water polo teams, you know, that go out there that do like the surf torture. I had, I mean, in the everything, every aspect of training, I have seen grown men with families cry. Yeah. Break down crying. I, I'm not proud of it. I mean, but, you know, things become so incredibly primitive through training because all you want to do is make the pain stop. You will do whatever it takes. Just like Clyde, you'll do whatever it takes to make the pain stop. And there was one time we were be, we would be doing these drag races with boats on head, and it's just as it sounds—a drag race on the beach between two or three boats, 
pays to be a winner. Oh man. Oh, however, however long. So pays to be a winner means you get rest. Yeah. If if you, if, win. if you win, you you get rest. You get some form of physical reward. That's usually like. It's a zero-sum game. Your physical reward is not being physically punished. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I remember in one, one race, we were going at it. And, I mean, it was just we, – we just constantly kept, you know, losing and losing. And it was probably, I want to say, like our seventh or eighth iteration through it. And basically we were going, and one of the guys underneath um, the boat crew next to me just – Reached out, no way, really, and, and threw a jab at one of the guy, one of the guys under my boat, and knocked one of us down. I mean, and it's like understandable, like it. Again, in retrospect, we're laughing, we're smiling, about yeah, it. but, but the in the moment, sure you're all so mad. And there's times when you know other boats, you know, a guy would go down, and you would you would hear the call out, you know, with a lot of vulgarity basically step on him yeah it's kind of like you know in football like take out the quarterback kind yeah, of yeah, stuff. yeah and so yeah uh, there was uh the, there was this this part of training you know that you have this idea so they're using like competition yeah well i'm basically what i'm trying to say is the accountability factor is not there when you pay for it because you got to think yeah. i a lot of not just me it, it, at the time that i was going through and even more so now the level of competition to get in is so incredibly high that you have individuals that, for me, I I would say I sack I, I for for a Midwest suburban you know white kid you know I sacrifice quote unquote uh, to go out there um, a, a lot that things that meant a lot to me at the time but basically I, that was a direct change in my life course and so for me not to make it through training wasn't as simple as you know oh i paid 150 dollars whatever you paid for yeah had that experience and it, like if i didn't make it through training i still had four years in the military that i was signed up for yeah and uh, you know all these all, all all this uncertainty and so this accountability factor of you know you better make it because if you don't it's not like you get to go home you get to go do something really crappy yeah and so that's why i, I don't i'll never I shouldn't ever probably say that I hate somebody that does something like that because there's worse things in the world for to hate people for. But basically, the idea that you could pay some to, exactly. to go through something that meant so much to a lot of individuals, I think, kind of is condescending. Yeah, it kind of is, and it. I mean, I guess it just depends on the person's mentality going into it too. Yeah. Like, what are they going into it for? And afterwards, like you said, like, yeah, if someone who did that for a week is going up to you bragging, you're like, hey, man, <laughs> yeah. like, like, come on, dude. <laughs> but if they, I don't know, I found myself recently, like, doing things just to get kind of an understanding. Yeah. Like, not, obviously, you don't get the full understanding, but just to get, like, a taste, like, yeah. oh, man, like, what they do is very hard. Yeah. Like, this is the dumbest analogy to that whole thing, but there was this, uh... <laughs> like food challenge in Des Moines yes. called the Adam Emmenecker. And it was this giant sandwich and like sweet potato fries and stuff. And I saw that this lady ate it in like nine minutes. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. Like in my mind, I'm like, that's crazy, but I couldn't appreciate it until I went in <laughs> and attempted it. And like 15 minutes in, I had maybe a third of it gone. And I'm like, how in the world did she even like... Yeah do this and the guy the waiter comes up to me and he's like 
well, you just got to take bigger bites and chew less. And I'm like, <laughs> Thanks for the yeah, advice, oh, coach. <laughs> okay. I'm like, that sounds like a good recipe for choking. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so that's a terrible analogy yeah. to it. But like, so I kind of understand like to gain an appreciation. Yeah. But I'm sure that's not everyone's mentality going into it. it. It's, I mean, like I said, you have athletic programs that pay to go out there. And it's hard to think that some 18, 19-year-old student athlete. Because I'm, I'm. Well, it's funny. Like, I was going to ask about that. So you also did college football. Yeah. And so now do you look back on, like, two days and you're like, that was nothing. Man, I honestly, if I met my 18-year-old self right now, I would punch him in the mouth. I would hit him in the mouth and tell him to get a haircut first off. <laughs> tell, him, tell him to get a haircut. Time to grow up. But, yeah. I, again, everything's relative. Yeah. And I don't ever want to take away somebody's experience of something that probably made them a better person. But two days at a time, yeah, they really sucked. And I tried to go through that inner mantra of at least I'm not in two days when I was in it. Like, that didn't work. Yeah. That didn't work. That didn't work. That definitely didn't work. I would have rather have been four days, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I just think of someone, you know, an 18, 19 year old me going out there trying to get, because what, some of the most impactful part of that training is not just the physical endurance and this confidence that you can make it through physically, but it's, it's that mental, that mental part that really can't come from anything under the, other than this is a, like a life or death situation. Because again, at 19 years old, you know, I'd be out there probably wearing either my Mizzou gear or you know, all that stuff probably, you know, can't wait to post on Facebook the fact that I did this like training and stuff like that. And, and I wouldn't have been able to appreciate the lessons of, of real teamwork, of everything that SEAL training offers that can't really be written about by somebody who hasn't gone through it. Yeah. So, um, again, anything that gets you off the couch, anything that gets you moving, I 100% am an advocate for. But basically, if you're going to try, and not just up to me, but if you're going to go up to somebody in general and try to explain you know oh, oh i know i know how bad it feels like I like oh, yeah, I, I went out there i did some surf torture you know you know for 30 minutes in like lukewarm <laughs> water you're like dude um, or ma'am what good for you but yeah this is gonna be a one-sided conversation because i'm not gonna respond <laughs> to that not gonna be able to say yeah yeah man so this is a really silly question about running with boat on head, which I think is boats awesome. on head. Hell boats yeah! On head, which oh, sorry, is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, it's hearing. Um, what would suck more, being like really tall or being really short? So yeah, if you were in the Smurf crew, man, there were was yeah. there Smurf crews? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's, I'm thinking of uh, thinking of one of my a really good friend of mine who skied at Boston College. This this kid, he was probably. I'll, I'll give him a boost. 5'4", yeah. <laughs> something like that at best. But his legs were... His, it was Trick like the, yeah, the circumference of his legs was bigger than the height, his like actual height. <laughs> and so I'd say being in the Smurf crew had its benefits when you would be... Maybe if you were a swimmer, and sometimes if you were doing boats, it just depended. Um, definitely not for logs because log PT... I mean, that's just basically doing weight. And, you know, if you had, it's better to have, a, I do remember times we were doing log PT and, and I know you asked about boats, but I'll say this about, so there was one log PT evolution and PT just stands for physical, physical training. training. <laughs> yeah. oh, uh, training. I said torture. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's why I did the courts for yeah. So there was one time we did and each, you know, I guess log PT, yeah, each evolution had its, its actual time allotment, but 
one time, well over an hour, all we did, and again, just like with boats, you have your boat crew and there's a log, and a log is, is just a section telephone pole that weighs an close to 200 pounds. For well over an hour, all we did was lunges. <laughs> Holding the log at Chet, and you would just did a four count like just imagine that you know that super hyped up individual doing lunges with the medicine ball at the gym with the 10 pound weight or whatever just holding the log at your chest everybody in synchronization doing it so you know so yeah being small like that didn't help um but i would say being small with boats that had its benefits you wouldn't get hit on the head as much right yeah well it just because it all just came down to yeah you you generally had a more equal level of height if you were in the smurf crew as opposed to the the more you progress through training and the less of a class that there actually is you know more people quit you know yeah when you're taller then the less there are of tall people so you generally just start to get like put into smaller and smaller height boat crews and you end up being the one who prayers the yeah. brunt of the way I mean, it's the law of averages yeah exactly <laughs> it, it was uh yeah, so like I said, there would be there would be times you'd be doing these runs and you would be feeling like, hey, I'm good. I, I got, you know, I'm feeling really strong today. I'm, I got a good boat crew. Everything's going. But in reality, it was just because there was like a really tall dude. It was it was barren. And you'd like look behind you. He's got tears coming down his eyes and stuff like that. And, you know, and like I said, sometimes it is soft sand. So you just hit a bump and all of a sudden you get all the weight on your head. Oh, it's, yeah, the, uh, the misery. The, I remember right before we started really going into that level of training we had like a sit down amongst um my class class 299 and i need to actually finish the story of how i didn't make it through class 299 and 300 but there was a, there was this officer who had been medically rolled back from another class so he was that seasoned vet and he gave us you know he was giving us this talk the night before and it was very serious and i'll just never forget the way he said <laughs> boats on head will make you find parts of your soul that you didn't even know existed. And there's a darkness to you that you don't know about yet. And it's just like, I'm just like oh my God, yeah. I don't know. But it's true because you just, yeah. yeah, you get to this primal. It's so terrible to think that you just get to this level of physical pain where you will do anything to make it stop. And when I say anything to make it stop, here you have guys harming other guys yeah. who at the end of the day are just trying to serve or just trying, you know, they've got families too and stuff, but it's just, you don't care. You just don't, and just like with colitis, you don't care. I will do anything. And I, you know, like we talked about on a run, I try not to be dramatic or overemphasize something because when I do say something, I want it to be valid. I could, I can, I can sympathize with someone wanting to do heroin just to deal with that pain because I'm not gonna lie, if you had offered me, and I, and I was, I was taking painkillers. Um, yeah. I was prescribed painkillers um, to deal with that discomfort, but if you had offered me a higher level painkiller than what could have been prescribed, I probably would have taken it. Yeah. Um, because I was, it, it was that uncomfortable. So back to the obstacle course. Yeah. So this is, you know, going flashback memory now, so how many weeks in a training was this, this is, well, you, you would do that every, this specific oh, okay. story, yeah, this specific story is like my fifth weekend. But you would, I was well-versed with the obstacle course okay. at this point. Because I had been out there for six months, at least, in this like holding cell where you were probably getting like a 20% intensity level of training. Gotcha. Um, but so I get to this part of the, to, uh, the obstacle course, 
obstacle course called the High Tower for Life. <laughs> I love these names that they throw out there. <laughs> and so it's this like 30-foot tower. Again, if you went on Google Maps, you'd be able to see it. But it's uh, you know a wooden structure that's 30 feet, I'd say, up from the uh, up from the ground. And the way you get up there is you gotta, you know, it's not like you take a ladder. You actually get to do these really cool acrobatic moves where you do these like reverse pull-ups, and because it's like an, it had, it's a it's a tower with no walls, and you, again, you just do these really acrobatic movements that you didn't ever think you could do to get up there, and it's, you, you feel really cool by the time you get to the top. Yeah. But the but then you gotta come back down. <laughs> so the way you get back down is there's this rope, and it's like the hypotenuse of a triangle kind of idea, and you slide down the rope like a sloth, like hand over hand, kind of, you know, feet, feet going first, and you just start pulling yourself down. Well, this day, I was just such a wreck that, you know, like I said, everything going on with my immune system, not eating, everything. I remember, you know, I'm feeling tired, but like this is a different level of tired. And I got up there to, that, to the tower, and I was inc incredibly exhausted way beyond what I knew was a normal level of exhausted you knew something was up so I get on the high tower and I'm about to get on the rope and it's you have to like announce it's part of it's you just basically have to say you know your name you know I would say Ensign Casey right side high tower for life and I got a, you know you just you're announcing to the instructors below it was basically like a hey look at me like so you can make fun of me as I go down <laughs> so you can like I, if 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 there's ever a spot to pick at me right now, here it is. Yeah. And so I, I announce it and I get on and I remember I had my, my legs wrapped around and I had both hands on the rope and I went to take my first like pull with my right hand coming over uh, on, you know, and just pulling myself down. And as I was making that motion, that tired, you know, when you first probably moved out here, that acclimation, uh, yeah. you're kind of like, I can't catch a breath. I remember feeling like, man. I can't breathe right now. And as I was going to clasp back on the rope with my right hand, everything just went black. And I just fell. And I, you know, they, the term dirt died because I basically just dove head first. I fell head first into the ground. Um, and I don't remember this much. Uh, this is all just my classmates telling me. Because again, when you announce, and it's Casey Hightower, everyone's kind of looking at you. Yeah. And I do remember waking up in the, like, the, is weird, I don't want to call it the hospital, but basically the medical portion of the training base where, and they were cutting my clothes off and I was on a stretcher because not only did I fall and I landed head first, but the, I mean, it was soft sand, so it was not like I landed on pavement, but I landed, the way I landed, and apparently after I landed, I started, like, convulsing. Oh my. <laughs> and... I don't know why. I don't. They, I never really got a definitive answer why that happened. I think that was just like the extreme, you know, shock that my body of like hitting the ground, yeah. right? Yeah, and just like the condition that my body was in in general. I don't know, but I, I ended up spending the night in the hospital. Got released from there. So because I spent the night in the hospital, had to got got rolled back into class three hundred, which started. So if you spent one night in the hospital for any reason, or is it specifically? Mm -hmm. Because you passed out. Any reason. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, it's it sucks, but basically, if you even went to medical that day. Really? Um, yeah. You had a not Not a guarantee, but you had a chance of getting rolled back. Because if you went to medical, and if you, there were guys, I remember one guy, he had, so the boots that we would run in, 
you were, you know, kind of the insider trick was that you would you would cut out the soles, the heel backing of the of the boots because it was just like hard plastic. Oh yeah. And this kid, he didn't. Oh uh, no. He actually he played football here in Colorado. Oh really? Yeah. Um, but he didn't do that, and he just kept trying to push through the blisters that he was getting. By but by the time, I mean, we're talking like dollar half dollar coin size blisters on the back of his heels. It was you could see well past the skin. It was it was disgusting how how oh I oh yeah. So clearly my speechlessness should demonstrate how gross that was. But so there was you know, Hey man, blisters are always welcome <laughs> yeah, on the podcast. Yeah. Like every episode or you know, I'd say probably like seventy five percent. Yeah. You mentioned blisters. Well so I mean, you can't say that that's not like a real injury. Or you can't say like nobody's I mean, there were guys that were going to medical that would try to get on training. Obviously, but there were also guys with really valid reasons that would go to medical to try, you know, and medical would tell them, like, no, you can't train for the day. What do they just, so to get out of training, is, was it a way for them to get out without saying that they just broke? Yeah, some, some dudes would. Um, yeah. Some guys would, you know, and that's just, that's maybe being callous, but that's the, that's the Well, facts. I mean, yeah. yeah some I mean, you see the same thing, like, in... Yeah, like at an aid station. At, at yeah. an aid station, yeah. Exactly. Oh, my shoelaces broke, and I can't go on. Like, yeah. hey, I got some shoelaces for you. No, 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 those aren't my brand shoelaces. Yeah, yeah. You know, there were some guys, and you know, they that's that's just their story. Uh, yeah. Clearly, I I didn't make it through training, so any everyone anyone on this earth is welcome to criticize me for not making it through training. But anyway, the you guys, even if you went to medical and you missed out that training evolution for just like the day or the half day, you stood the chance of getting rolled back. Which makes sense because you mentioned like that it's relatively, I mean, painful and horrible and all that stuff. Not relatively, definitely, but it's safe. Like they take care of people yeah. and they like are very aware of if they're yeah. like actually pushing someone to the limit where they could I like will, seriously injure themselves. Yeah, I. this is... I, I, it took me it took me quite a while to come to terms with my experience in SEAL training and just the overall kind of structure of it. Um, and I will 100% say that the guys, that the instructors that are out there are some of the best people in the world. And there was a definite switch. You know, even for me, when, in, in my experience, when, when I got rolled back from my first class, I remember, you know, you, you, got, you got instructors that are saying the most heinous things in the world see you one second but the moment you're in the hospital they're the ones calling you making sure you're okay you know like they're real human beings just like the conversation we had before about like dudes doing pumps versus yeah. dudes who actually did deployments yeah and so yeah there's there's definitely you know level of you know, concern you know not only because you're a fellow service member but you, you know at the end of the day you're trying to become one of them and they recognize that and they respect that but part of the training is making it through not just the physical gauntlet but the mental challenge, because clearly there's going to be a mental side of any any sort of military life. But in that community, they want to know that you're going to be okay when in high stress situations emotionally. Yeah. So you were five weeks in. Oh yeah. And you passed out. Passed out. And hit. they rolled you back to the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Started started all over again. So that must have been fun. Yeah. It was. It was. It. It wasn't. Wasn't a highlight of my experience, but. Uh, you know, it was something I believed in. Like I, you know, you just take it on the head. And it's so funny if I, I still do this now because I had one of my buddies. This, yeah, you, you, I'm sure you have your quirks of whatever you do when you need to wash something bad away. 
and my buddy, he literally, anytime he would, something bad would happen, he would just, man, man, just take it on the head, just take it on the head, and he would hit himself, and well, he would bump himself on the forehead and do, do that, and I do that now, um, and so that was a moment, just like, hey, take it on the head, this is what it is, and so I tried to find the positivity in being in class 300, and it was so funny, because there were so many rumors going around about the notoriety of being 300, <laughs> and of course, you know, this is still, this is 2012, or 2013, so, you know, the movie 300 yep. was a few years old. Yeah. So there was a definite jokes about that. But, like, the rumors that were going around about what was going to happen to us because we were class 300 <laughs> was just insane. Like, <laughs> I think I, I, I am not kidding you. There, were, there was one enlisted kid who showed up who legitimately believed this rumor that we were going to be doing Hell Week in Greece. Because no way, really? I, I am <laughs> not kidding you. You're Spartan and you're, and you're just like... But you really think that they're going to pay to fly us all to Greece? Yeah, it was, it was some stupid stuff going on. But yeah, the uh, so I got rolled back 300, made it in longer into training um, into like the seventh week, uh, which is where Hell Week is starts and made it into, you know, yes, made it into Hell Week. Um, and that's, yeah, that's when I had my break. Yeah. That was... Um, there's no excuse. I didn't make it. Is that so? Hell week. I mean, is it a, just a combination of like extreme physical and like no sleep and yeah. Men, do I mean? Do yeah. they you have to do mental tests too? Oh and, yeah, that's yeah. that's what. Well, both sides got me. Um. So what revolved around? So I was I was in no better shape than. My and meanwhile, colitis. you still had colitis. Yeah, I was in no better shape. Um. That that four to five weeks that I had basically to to kind of regroup myself was not spent in a, in a like a healthy spa you know getting yeah. massage it was I was still getting you know still getting put through a different gauntlet but yeah so I um, was somehow lucky enough to at least make it to hell week at this point and yeah no better shape physically because of colitis and kind of went into colitis the same you know physical state that I went into that day with the high tower for life on the obstacle course and so uh, yeah, the the progression of Hell Week is definitely incredibly physically demanding right out the gate. You know, it starts with what's called breakout. And it, you know, it, it's also the mental aspect where, so Hell Week starts Sunday evening and it's not secured until sometime the following Friday mid-afternoon. Um, just depends. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, you get allotted... One, one, so you get to sleep four hours on Tuesday night, and then you get like a thirty-minute nap. I think like Thursday or something. It's 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 awful. It's awful. It's it's and, and you know half the time that I mean that alone, like you could just say you're gonna do that, but yeah. like you're sitting on the couch the rest of the time. Yeah, so you only sleep that amount, yeah. and it would still be hell week. Well, again, it, well, just like in an endurance race, you do pass this this point where you're just you just become a zombie. And you just get going. And I remember there are guys, you know, they make it up until that Friday morning being secured. They're doing sprints on the beach, doing boats on the head, everything like that. And the moment that it gets announced, the moment they're told, hell week secured. Their, you know, their, their mind has, has gone from this incredible survival mode to like, now okay, take we, a breath. And so these same dudes who were just like sprinting up a sand berm with like a log on their chest, you know, all this stuff. They can't even they can't even step up onto the curb 
five minutes later because they're they're just such a wreck. And so uh, for the mental aspect of that, be, kind of begins how week. So it starts on a Sunday. You don't know when it's going to start. We got told to show up to uh, we got we just got told to show up Sunday afternoon, and we basically sat in this classroom um, for I want to say four or five hours. And they don't, they don't give you the itinerary. That's the unknown. Yeah, the unknown they, is also part of the help. You're, you're just sitting there. You're like, well, I know that it's going to happen sometime later tonight. And so as you're sitting around, and of course, you know, some dudes, they're able to like sleep. They're able to, you know, they're, they're just treating it like it's a camp. You're like, hey, good for you, man. Obviously, I wasn't. I was just so anxiety-ridden. Um, I think I went through two full cans of dip in that, <laughs> that six-hour period. Just... Awful, and so the so you at one as you're sitting in the classroom, all of a sudden the instructors will come in and they'll just announce, "All right, everybody out to the barracks or to the tents." Sorry, and the tents are these big tents um, set up on the beach. Uh, you know, three individual tents that are basically can hold thirty to forty, however many people are in the class that they need to be held. Um, that have cots on them, and this is around sunset. And so we're sitting out, and we get sent out there. And I definitely the mood's starting to shift. If ever, it, whoever was maybe coking and joking, it is just quiet. And you're just sitting on the beach. And you're sitting on these cots and it's dark and you're like the sun's going down. And it, like, you're not allowed to wear a watch. You're never allowed to, only the class leader was allowed to wear a watch throughout any of training. So you're, I got really good at telling time by yeah. like, so, you know, 45 degrees from yeah. this one and stuff like that. And so you're just watching the sun go down and you're like, all right, well, I know it's, you know, however late at night doing all this stuff. And I remember it, I, I hit this weird, like meditative state where the sun had gone down and it was really dark and it was so quiet that I wouldn't, I wasn't like falling asleep, but I was just in my head. And I, I swear I didn't even hear these guys coming up because of course they're Navy SEALs. All of a sudden you just hear this frag out, <laughs> like a... Like a percussion grenade comes in, or like a yeah. light, you know, this massive boom goes off. And I mean, whether or not you were prepared for it, this thing is so disorienting. Yeah. And so, I I'm just of course just like, what in the world is happening to my in my world right now? And then all of a sudden, you just hear the, like the you know, and, and of course they're blanks. And I think at one point in training they didn't used to be blanks, but you're hearing the the machine guns going off, and of course it's just like. You can YouTube breakout for Hell Week and you'll get the full picture of it. But basically you're crawling around, you're like, you're just your adrenaline instantly spikes and you're in it. And so that it transitioned from the mental to the physical, and you're just in the moment. Just make this survive, make this evolution, make all this stuff. And so I made it to basically like Monday mornings, really not even full 24 hours. But the what got me was we had done, you know, it, in any aspect in life, like, you know, if you go through football training, you know, you have the first third of it is really physically crushing to break you down. Just like yeah. in Hell Week, the first third of, I mean, pretty much all that breaks you down, but the really intense physical part is in the very beginning because they want to break you down. And then it's it's still a high level of physical demand, but it's more steady state. And so basically that Monday morning, we have really gone through already so much stuff and we were doing something, uh, an evolution called Steel Pier, which is another really notorious part of Hell Week. And it's basically, uh, you get, you you know, you're on a pier and not this like big pier that holds the Panama Canal or whatever, but basically <laughs> just, you know, these little docking ships. And you would go from 
you know, you would all just stand on the edge of the pier and everyone would, you, they tell you to jump in and you, you're in full gear, like, in, you know, boots, camis, everything like that. You jump in the water and then you'd get back out. And the way you would actually get back out was you couldn't just, like, climb up to the, the edge of, like, the pier, like, the pool and pull yourself out. Yeah. They had one of those boats and the inflatable boats. You had to go through that boat. Like, oh, so it's course. like channel going through the boat. So, and of course, they're giving you a time, you know, time hack. You've got 30 seconds to get out of the water. And if you don't, you know, we're going to do that. Of course, you're not going to make that time hack. And so, but every time you would actually make out of the water, you would strip down one article of clothing. And an article of clothing would come down to like a boot, yeah. a sock. So you would be jumping in and out of the water at, uh, 10 times. Um, by the time you're down, you're just your underwear. And at this point, I was in a, a true winter class. Um, and even though it was California, so like Southern California, it was you know like you know pretty fucking cool down. Yeah. And uh, hypothermia, like you know, dudes. Hypothermia can happen <laughs> like sixty degrees if you're dudes hyping out. Wet. Like yeah. I, I've seen you know guys getting lobster eyes and dudes hyping out was oh that was a weird experience. But the uh, so by the time we are like are down in our underwear and we're back in the water at this point, we're actually just treading water, um, doing it for like 20, 30 minutes. And this goes into like, again, the mental aspect, uh, you know, the transition back to mental where they, it, it's not hard to tread water for 20 minutes in, in cold water. Like that's, that's doable, but it just gets quiet. And you've got like 17 seal instructors. And at this point, you know, the ratio of instructors to actual, you know, students is like a one to three, one to four. So you're not getting away with anything. <laughs> and so, but you're, so, and so if anything, you had like your, your, your specific instructor who, whose sole purpose was to like keep a list of things to say to you that would just haunt you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And so I, of course, had mine and, and being an officer, you know, and rightfully so, the level of criticism and scrutiny was even higher um, because as an officer, you're expected to be better. You're expected to lead. So I, I remember being in the water, and they were already getting me because I had actually kind of, kind of from my previous injury or when I fell, I uh, one thing I didn't tell them was about like I my neck, like something was wrong with my neck because I just wanted to get back into training, and but that made it incredibly difficult for me to do any boats on head kind of stuff. And it eventually, after training was done, I actually had two uh, herniated discs in my neck. In your neck. Wow. And so, and I, like, I wasn't able to, like, like a child, I wasn't able to hold my head up. I, I would actually have to put my, 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 my hand under my chin to push my head up and then put the boat on my head and then try and find the balance to, like, keep my head <laughs> above my shoulders just so that I can... That sounds <laughs> terrible, <laughs> yeah. man. That sounds like... <sighs> so, so here... But then imagine me trying to tread water. Yeah. Again, I don't have the muscular, you know, like, strength to hold my head up in general. Oh, wow. But we're treading water. So I'm basically, like, drowning myself yeah. in the water because I can't... <laughs> You're right, man. You will be crying on the way home. Because <laughs> I, I can't, like... So, like, I, I remember... I, if you can imagine, like, you know, like, the, if you're looking at a water, like, you know, uh, aquarium exhibit in a, uh, in a zoo, you know, you can see above water and, uh -huh. and through the looking glass. If you can see probably how I was positioning myself above water, yeah, my head was, the only way I was able to have my head upright was if my, my legs were as forward as possible. Whoa. And so I was, like, keeping my head back, like, you know, just, yeah. like, I'm sitting in this chair. And so... 
and definitely I was, you know, not pulling my weight under the boat. Um, you know, just, I was, I was, I was not meeting the standard. So I was definitely getting the attention from the instructors and I just, so we did the first iteration, uh, you know, tread water, <laughs> forgot to mention the garden hose that they brought out. <laughs> so as you're, as you're treading water, you know, you're just sitting there in your own, in your own head, they've got the garden hose with really cold water and they're yeah, just spraying you in the face. Wow. <laughs> and you're right, you know, I'm, you know, everyone's just trying to, trying to make it through. And so, uh, so we get out, you know, same thing going through the boat, kind of stuff like that. And then we get back in the water and we're doing that. Uh, and I, I remember I, I definitively had this one part of a song and it wasn't Friday. It wasn't like <laughs> Katy Perry. Yeah. It was, it was a song that you just, I, it was what, it was my go-to. It was my go-to. I just, I knew every single note and I still know every single note of that song. And it's in, you're talking about an emotional response. This song just, it's still everything in my heart. And I remember I would, that's how, that's how I would zone out. You know, you, in that, in those surf torture, in, in any moment where you had to be inside your own head, um, when you're building that prison inside your head, and this definitely came through in treatment for me, but I'd be playing this song in my head, and I just remember in that moment, like, something happened, and it was like the needle went off the record, and like somebody hit pause, and I, and I, like, I, I mentally could not recall the song. Like, I, I, I couldn't. You know, it's like it's like not being able to remember your birthday. Yeah, it was so confusing, and it this this took you know fractions of a second to happen, but in those fractions of a second, with that that song no longer occupying my thoughts, it was the Pandora's box was open for all the the terrible things that go through your head when you're doing anything physically demanding, uh, come, you know, just come pouring in, and I just remember getting out, and it and it was awful having to tell basically like my pretty much my one of my best friends in training at the time I just remember I just looked at him and I just said I'm sorry man I can't go anymore and he knew it and he and you know like I could see it in his eyes like he wanted to you know give me that pep talk he wanted to but it was just that wasn't the place it was just like yeah that was that that sucked well and they probably like he probably was in a moment where he's like i I totally get it. <laughs> like, I don't have the. I don't even have the energy to. Well, that's the thing is you have this. Talk. It's it it is a neg. It, it is um. Is a virus quitting is a virus. You 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 need to quarantine it. And you know as soon as I, I remember this instructor walked by and I always say it was instructor. You know I'm not gonna say his, I just instructor blank. I'm done. He goes, okay, he grabs me, takes me right out. Wow. Like, just, I, that's what I was gonna ask. They don't yeah. even try to talk you back into it. No, well, some of them. Sometimes they would, they would, t- they would give you the, the like just depending on what it was, um, everything in context. But they sometimes they would pull you aside and be like, "Hey, are you sure you want to do this stuff like that?" For me, you know, I can't really remember the, any. I, I know that they, they definitely gave me the like, "Are you sure about this?" But I don't know if it was a pep talk kind of because at that point I wasn't me. I mean, yeah. not not just because I was tired or anything like that, but it was just like realizing again everything I had given up in my life because it took well over two years for me to be accepted this wasn't I woke up one day and wanted to become a Navy SEAL I I had to go through like a second knee surgery I you know again coming from a Midwest suburban you know white male background when I say sacrificed the things that I sacrificed were uh, the white picket fence lifestyle 
And so, but in that safety, um, but that still meant a lot to me. And that still was something that I did give up. And for me in that moment, you know, it was kind of like, if you can think of in the movies where all of a sudden the voices just become that like Charlie Brown style. And I'm just thinking, I can't believe this, everything, you know, it took two and a half years for me to get to this point And I needed to only survive three more days. It, 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 yeah, it was awful. It was, yeah, man. <laughs> Handling that afterwards has to be. Well, trust me, I didn't handle it in a way that you know. <laughs> yeah. No, which, you know, man, like, I think, okay, so I know a little bit more of your story, and you. Wanna make this a two parter, man? I 100% do, and we should definitely, like, just go for a run again, and then. You want it? All right, let's yeah. let's finish up the seal story. Okay, cool. Or if you want, I don't know if you're going to trim this well, down. No, because the little tease I was going to say is you ended up doing this crazy horse race through Mongolia. Well, that's afterwards, right? Kind of ish. Dude, that's that's well later in the story. Oh, yes, well that's later. true. Okay, it's true. <laughs> like, trust me, that's true. But there, like, there's definitely <laughs> there's. there's <laughs> I know, yeah, I'm, br- I'm breaking hearts over here. Yeah, like, yeah BBC, you know, <laughs> yeah. like... I'm going to part around BBC. <laughs> there, uh, there, there, trust me, in, you know, you want to talk about teasers, there's definitely significant things that happen in between those moments. All right, so this might be part a three-parter. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I can definitely... Uh, I, I'll, I'll tease it with, yeah, the... When I say the way that I handled it and I coped with it was... was as, as close to suicidal as you get without actually putting a gun in your mouth. Yeah. And that level of depression, like I was saying before, like, you know, not just from that. I mean, I've come to terms. It, it took me a whole, it took me a long time to ever even just say, I quit yeah. SEAL training. I would always just say, like, I just didn't make it. Now I guess I quit. Like, collide everything aside. That's not an excuse. I didn't meet the standard. Yeah. So I quit training and, you know, <laughs> when I didn't make it through training and it wasn't like I got to go home back to St. Louis, you know, and be, and just like take off, pick up where I left off. That's kind of why I have a, such a disdain for, you know, what we talked about earlier. But basically it was, <laughs> I, w- I saw myself, I went into the military incredibly Christian and I went into the into the military with this like divine belief, not in this evangelical I'm preaching and you know from the street corner this gibberish about like second coming of Jesus, but or Jesus. But I I legitimately saw myself as a person who was set out to do good, and the best way that I could do good was helping others in a you know in the parts of the world where it really matters. Where, you know, you're getting shot in the face because you want to go to school and you're a girl. Yeah. And so, I, that's how I, I just, again, you know, the motivation, you know, the, that to join the military, to reach that high level of, you know, the upper echelon, the tip of the spear, you know, I, I, I saw it as this, like, divine, you know, fate for me. And so, not to think that I ever could make a trade with God, but when I didn't make it through... It was this very real moment of like, you can't be like, you yeah. backed out of this deal. Like you reneged on this deal. Yeah. Okay. Like you think, you know, I, I went to some really dark places physically, mentally, and spiritually. 
and the the way that I dealt with it definitely um, is not something that they're going to be putting in pamphlets in a mental health clinic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like there's a well, reason why. Yeah, maybe like a like a don't like a yeah, like, exactly go, go this route. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But ultimately, it led you to where you are now. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would say, you know, I, yeah, the well, it, it led me to where I'm at now because I attempted this 50 mile race in the desert with do not resuscitate written across my chest and that comes across as a joke but that was a very real like if i don't make it through this race and if i pass out on in the side of this trail don't bother like this is this is how i go yeah and so yeah making it not making it through and that was just a a moment um in that whatever not even recovery but just that definite downward spiral that i found myself in and uh before <laughs> like the two and three parts of this series coming because <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll say the best teaser say is this and when I thought I had hit rock bottom in life, God simply tapped me on the shoulder, spit in my mouth, handed me a shovel, and said, "Dig deeper, bitch." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, I mean, ultimately, you're you found an upward trajectory. You would think. Hopefully, right? I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be cryptic and say like anything like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously in a better place. <laughs> I'm just like, looking yeah, for yeah, the yeah, optimism. yeah, yeah. I need to start ending things on a higher note. There is, I'm not, yeah. Trust me, I'm not gonna go run out this door and go play in traffic. Yeah. Um, yeah. But basically, it, it's still a lot of searching. Um, when I say I entered the military, incredibly Christian, that's not to be. In, there's no implication that I'm not religious at this point anymore. Because some of the things that I went through with that and the follow-on really things that I went through, I need to believe in God. Yeah. Because the the amount of phys- the amount of hate that I have in my heart can't be taken out on a physical being. It needs to be taken out on a you know a divine figure who has infinite capacity to handle the level of hate that I have. Yeah. Because trust me, <laughs> that well goes deep <laughs> and. And so I definitely, yeah, I'm, I'm, we just went out for a really nice run. I'm drinking Starbucks. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm studying computer science and I'm really enjoying it in, in, in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, clearly I'm, there are other ends of the spectrum that I, I need to, to remind myself about, but it's still a, it's, it's an upward climb still. Yeah. Yes. I am ascending, but I, I, it's hard to say if I'm above or below where I was at before. But you, I mean, like just with anything, man, like you're ascending for a while and then you hit something and you descend a little bit. Yeah. But you know, especially when I go skydiving, especially when you go skydiving. <laughs> yeah, well, literally. Yeah. But like, so you're, you know, it's, it's up and down. There's peaks and valleys. And yeah. I mean, I think the biggest key to like ultimately quote unquote finding happiness. Yeah. Whether or not you find it, is you know the key is like that you're searching for it and you're trying these things to attempt to find it because for me it's like the moments when i'm complacent yeah and i'm not like actually intentionally seeking what makes me happy that's when the valleys start happening more and more often and it's like oh man like what am i doing with my life and then you know i i just personally think i mean this is so cliche to say but it's the pursuit of happiness. You yeah. know? That's that's really just the journey, like looking for it. And 
having faith that you, that it's there still. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if you lost that, then it's like, oh yeah. man, that's not a good thing. But yeah, just like we were saying before, I mean, I don't, I don't date because I don't believe in relate. Like, what do you mean you don't believe in relationships like yeah. that? They, they exist. It's just that's that's not that's just not my path to happiness right now. Or I don't want to make it my path to happiness because I I have learned to to really like shy away from kind of any level of dependency. Yeah. Not to say some, to someone who's married that, that what they're, they're at is wrong, but I just know for me emotionally, my values definitely came when I made myself emotionally dependent on somebody else. Yeah. And, you know, the, the girl that I need, to, the girl that I think I am best fit for, like I said before, is, based, is one who can appreciate my scars. So I've got quite a few. And I don't want to try and find somebody simply to fill the void because I'm having like a really lonely moment. Like it's because there's, yeah, there's a lot to my story that, you know, somebody needs to be able to appreciate my eyes. And understand. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, man. So, dude, crazy. <laughs> Just, I don't even know what. Uh, I can't even imagine. First of all, I can't imagine doing Navy SEAL training. Like, uh, trust me, man. You'd be you'd be incredibly surprised at the people that make it through and the mentality and the background and things like that. Um, it's uh, it's definitely you know I, I there it's very true. There are guys, Olympic level athletes that have tried to go through training. Yeah, day one out the door. Exactly, dudes that like their only sport background was you know playing middle school soccer, <laughs> and they're and they're the ones out there doing great things for our country right now. And so. I wouldn't, yeah, trust me. It, you never know until you try. You never know until you ask. Yeah. And, um, yeah, this is just like in my, you know, TED Talk or TEDx Talk, just a, a drop in the ocean of experiences yeah, yeah. that I've drowned in. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll link that on here. And, uh, you know, I mean, keep searching. Keep searching, man. Keep doing, like, you do skydiving, which yeah. you're finding, uh, finding a purpose in, like a passion in kind of. That that there's definitely passion in that. That's more of it. It allows me to focus on something, you know, incredibly uh, important in the moment because I can't I I can't go into a skydive with something else in my brain. Exactly. I need and there's it's meditative almost. Yeah, just like in ultra running. Yeah. There's uh there's a big background in drug addicts and you know depression in running. It's the same thing in skydiving because people need to replace either an addiction or a mental state with something that requires so much of their mental capacity. And shameless of me, I have at times gone into a skydive not in the best mental state. And, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, things because clearly I'm here right now, but I took more risks than I needed to. Yeah. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't have been jumping at that point. But now I am jumping to... The point where I get to have so much fun up there. Yeah, how many jumps have you done? Uh, 150. <laughs> or like around 150. Yeah. Like, uh, it depends on what you qualify as a jump sometimes. But yeah, this, I mean, skydiving, this, I always used to say, you know, like, if you could, you know, I, I, I won't date a girl who jumps out of a plane or anything like that, but just, yeah, the community of skydivers sometimes, 
Um, they're, the, they're the best people in the world. Other times you're like, dude, just give me your parachute. I'm going to push you out of the plane without one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just like in any activity, right? Yeah. You got the... But skydiving is definitely, uh, is definitely something that occupies, I would say... If I'm if I if my nose aren't if my nose isn't buried in the books, I'm either trying to jump out of a plane or I'm tr- <laughs> or I'm trying to run a trail. Yeah, nice man. Yeah. <laughs> if my nose isn't in the books, I'm either jumping out of the plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously, that's cool, dude. All right, man. Well, we'll have you back uh, sometime. Yeah. I don't know when. Well, good luck on your race. Yeah, thanks, dude. We're uh, hopefully ready. I don't know. I honestly don't know if I feel prepared. Like. So I did a 50 mile before and I was, I felt more prepared then. Let's just say that. But whether or not it's like I said, it's one big experiment, right? Yeah. So before I had a certain diet and then this time is a little bit different and we're just going to see how it, how it feels, you know, before I was getting probably way more miles, almost to the point of overtraining, I'd say. Or uh, under resting. <laughs> under resting. Well, I have a seven month old man. Yeah. Like, I'm for sure still under resting, but um, like, so before I'd go for a run after school yeah. and, you know, yeah. I'd spend all day in my classroom walking around the, the yeah. you know, I'd get five miles in my classroom. Then I'd go for a run yeah. and then I'd take my daughter for a walk on all these hilly trails in Virginia. Yeah. And this training cycle, it's definitely not happening that way. It's, it's, you know, going for a run in the morning and then, you know, walking around the house and doing stuff with the kids, but it's not the same amount of miles. So I'm curious to see if I feel better or worse. I, I know I'm going to finish, but I'm curious to see if I'll feel better or worse at the end. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to think your body's kind of been inoculated to 50 miles in the past, and you're clearly an in, in-shape in, in person. So, you know, it's kind of like, I wouldn't, you're riding a bike is obviously a mental, uh, mental kind of analogy to it that you don't ever forget. Your body won't forget some of the things it's already gone through. True. It's it's probably gonna suck. Yeah, it's probably no, it gonna suck. there'll be moments. Too. But you'll have this. I, I I think you'll have this undeniable confidence that you're gonna make it um, and do better than you did before because your body will say subconsciously, like your lizard brain will, will say, "No, we do, we've done this. We got this, dude." That's true. It's the power of experience. Yeah. you know, which is probably why jumping on a plane the first time was scarier than yesterday. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, man. All right, well, we'll wrap this one up and uh, we'll get back with Adam at some point in the future. Let's do it. Big thanks to Adam for sharing his story. Man, man, that's an intense story. Uh, it just gets more intense too. So if you want to hear more from Adam uh, before we have him back on the podcast, Check out his TEDx talk, which is called Why You Should Fall Recklessly in Love with Adam Casey. And he kind of goes into what happens after uh, the Navy SEAL training, which gets pretty intense. So we will definitely have him back on for part two of the podcast. And then at some point, we're definitely going to talk. He did this crazy horse race across Mongolia. (laughs) So we definitely need to hear about that. Um, If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to head on back into our archives and check out the previous 29 episodes of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. You can find those on iTunes, 
SoundCloud, and our website, www.likeabigfoot.com. If you are on iTunes and you happen to leave us a review, that would be amazing (laughs) because it helps us out a lot, uh, kind of getting a little more exposure and more ears on the podcast. That's a weird thing to say for some reason. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, and tune in next week. I'll be back with Brady Manriquez and Travis Steffen, a three-person podcast after we have put ourselves through the Monument Valley ultramarathons. All right, until then, I'm your host, Chris Ward. We'll talk to you next week.